0: a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 8 of Mr. Standfast by John Buchan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8, The Adventures of a Bagman. You're punctual to time, Mr. Brand, said the voice of Amos. But losh, man, what have ye done to your breeks? And your wits? You're no just very respectable in your appearance. I wasn't. The confounded rocks of the coolin had left their mark in my shoes, which, moreover, had not been clean for a week, and the same hills had rent my jacket at the shoulders and torn my trousers above the right knee and stained every part of my apparel with peat and lichen. I cast myself on the bank beside Amos and lit my pipe. "'Did you get my message?' I asked. "'Aye. It's gone by a sure hand to the destination we ken of.' Ye've managed well, Mr. Brand, but I wish you were back in London.' He sucked at his pipe, and the shaggy brows were pulled so low as to hide the wary eyes. Then he proceeded to thank aloud. "'You cannot go back by my leg. I don't just understand why, but they're looking for you down that line. It's a vexatious business when your friends, meaning the police, are doing their best to upset your plans, and you no able to enlighten them.' "'I could send word to the Chief Constable.' "'and get ye through to London without a stop like a load of fish from Aberdeen, "'but that would be spoilin' the fine character ye have been at such pains to construct. "'Na, na, ye maun take the risk, and travel by Muirtown without any credentials.' "'It can't be a very big risk,' I interpolated. "'I'm no so sure. Gresson's left the Tobermory. "'He went by here yesterday on the Malayic boat, "'and there was a wee black eyed man with him that got out at Kyle.' "'He's there still, stoppin' at the hotel. "'They call him Linklater, and he travels in whiskey. "'I don't like the looks of him.' "'But Gresson does not suspect me?' "'Maybe no, but you wouldn't a like him to see ye here a ways. "'You gentry don't leave muckle to chance. "'Be very certain that every man in Gresson's lot "'kens all about ye, and has your description down "'to the mole on your chin.' "'Then they've got it wrong,' I replied. "'I was speaking figuratively,' said Amos.' I was considering your case the feck of yesterday, and i brought the best I could do for you in the gig. I wish you were more respectable clad, but a good topcoat will hide deficiencies. From behind the gig seat he pulled out an ancient Gladstone bag and revealed its contents. There was a bowler of a vulgar and antiquated style. There was a ready-made overcoat of some dark cloth of the kind that a clerk wears on the road to the office. There was a pair of detachable celluloid cuffs and there was a linen collie and dicky. Also there was a small hand-case, such as bagmen carry on their rounds. "'That's your luggage,' said Amos with pride. "'That wee bag's full of samples. You'll mind I took the precaution of measuring ye in Glasgow, so the things'll fit. You've got a new name, Mr. Brand, and I've taken a room for ye in the hotel on the strength of it. You're Archibald McCaskey, and you're travelling for the firm of Todd's Sons and Brothers of Edinburgh. You ken the folk?' They publish wee religious books that you've been trying to sell for Sabbath school's prizes to the free Kirk ministers in Skye. The notion amused Amos, and he relapsed into the somber chuckle, which for him did duty for a laugh. I put my hat and waterproof in the bag, and donned the bowler and the topcoat. They fitted fairly well. Likewise the cuffs and collar, though here I struck a snag, for I had lost my scarf somewhere in the coolin', and Amos, pelican-like— Had to surrender the rusty black tie which adorned his own person. "'It was a queer rig, and I felt like nothing on earth in it. "'But Amos was satisfied. "'Mr. McCaskey, sir,' he said, "'you're the very model of a publisher's traveller. "'You'd better learn a few biographical details, "'which ye may be forgotten. "'You're an Edinburgh man, but ye were some years in London, "'which explains the way ye speak. "'Ye bide at Six Russell Street, off the Meadows, "'and ye're an elder in the Nethergate, U.F. Kirk.' HAVE YOU ANY SPECIAL TASTE ye COULD LEAD THE CRACK ON TO IF YOU'RE ENGAGED IN CONVERSATION? I SUGGESTED THE ENGLISH CLASSICS. AND VERY SUITABLE. YOU CAN TRY POLITICS, TOO. ye would BETTER BE A FREE TRADER, BUT CONVERTED BY LLOYD GEORGE. THAT'S A COMMON CASE, AND YOU'LL NEED TO BE BY ordinary COMMON. IF I WAS YOU, I WOULD LAUNDER ABOUT HERE FOR A BIT AND no ARRIVE AT YOUR HOTEL TILL AFTER DARK. THEN YOU CAN HAVE YOUR SUPPER AND GANG TO BED. The Muratown train leaves at half seven in the morning. Nah, ye can't come with me. It wouldn't a do for us to be seen together. If I meet ye in the street, I'll never let on I know ye. Amos climbed into the gig and jolted off home. I went down to the shore and sat among the rocks, finishing about tea-time the remains of my provisions. In the mellow gloaming I strolled into the Clahan and got a boat to put me over to the inn. It proved to be a comfortable place with a motherly old landlady who showed me to my room and promised ham and eggs and cold salmon for supper. After a good wash which I needed, and an honest attempt to make my clothes presentable, I descended to the meal in a coffee-room lit by a single dim paraffin lamp. The food was excellent, and as I ate, my spirits rose. In two days I should be back in London, beside Blenkiron, and somewhere within a day's journey of Mary.' I could picture no scene now without thinking how Mary fitted into it. For her sake I held Biggleswick delectable, because I had seen her there. I wasn't sure if this was love, but it was something I had never dreamed of before, something which I now hugged the thought of. It made the whole earth rosy and golden for me, and life so well worth living that I felt like a miser towards the days to come. I had about finished supper when I was joined by another guest. Seen in the light of that infamous lamp, he seemed a small, alert fellow, with a bushy black moustache and black hair parted in the middle. He had fed already, and appeared to be hungering for human society. In three minutes he had told me that he had come down from Portree, and was on his way to Leith. A minute later he had whipped out a card on which I read, J. J. Linkletter, and in the corner the name of Hatherwick Brothers. His accent betrayed that he hailed from the West." I've been up among the distilleries, he informed me. It's a poor business, distilling in these times, with the teetotalers yowling about the nation's shame and the way to lose the war. I'm a temperate man myself, but I would think shame to spile decent folks' business. If the government want to stop the drink, let them buy us out. They've permitted us to invest good money in the trade, and they must see that we get it back. The other way will wreck public credit. That's what I say." SUPPOSING SOME LABOR GOVERNMENT TAKES THE NOTION THAT SOAP'S BAD FOR THE NATION. ARE THEY GOING TO SHUT UP PORT SUNLIGHT, OR GOOD CLOTHES, OR LUM HATS? THERE'S NO END TO THEIR DAFTNESS IF THEY WANT to START ON THAT TRACK. A LAWFUL TRADE'S A LAWFUL TRADE, SAYS I, AND IT'S CONTRARY TO PUBLIC POLICY TO PIT IT AT THE MERCY OF WEAN CRANKS. Do you NO AGREE, SIR, BY THE WAY, I HAVEN'T A GOT YOUR NAME. I TOLD HIM, AND HE RAMBLED ON. We're blenders and do a very high-class business, mostly foreign. The war's hit us where our export trade, of course, but we're no as bad as some. What's your line, Mr. McCaskey? When he heard, he was keenly interested. D'ye say so? You're from Todd's. Man, I was in the book business myself, till I changed it for something a wee bit more lucrative. I was on the road for three years for Andrew Matheson. You ken the name? Paternoster Row? I've forgotten the number. I had a kind of ambition to start a book shop of my own, and to make Linkletter of Paisley a big name in the trade. But I got the offer from Hatherwick's, and I was wantin' to get married so filthy Lucre won the day. And I'm no sorry I changed. If it hadn't a been for this war, I would have been making four figures of my salary and commissions. My pipe's out. Have you one of those rare and valuable curiosities called a spunk, Mr McCaskey? He was a merry little grig of a man, and he babbled on till I announced my intention of going to bed. If this was Amos's bagman, who had been seen in company with Gresson, I understood how idle may be the suspicions of a clever man. He had probably foregathered with Gresson on the sky-boat, and wearied that saturnine soul with his cackle. I was up betimes, paid my bill, ate a breakfast of porridge and fresh haddock, and walked a few hundred yards to the station. It was a warm, thick morning with no sun visible, and the sky hills misty to their base. The three coaches on the little train were nearly filled when I had bought my ticket, and I selected a third-class smoking carriage which held four soldiers returning from leave. The train was already moving when a late passenger hurried along the platform and clambered in beside me. A cheery, "'Mornin', Mr. McCaskey,' revealed my fellow guest at the hotel." We jolted away from the coast, up a broad glen, and then on to a wide expanse of bog, with big hills showing towards the north. It was a drowsy day, and in that atmosphere of shag and crowded humanity I felt my eyes closing. I had a short nap and woke to find that Mr. Linkletter had changed his seat and was now beside me. we "'Will no get a Scotsman till Muirtown," he said. "'Have ye nothing in your samples you could give me to read?' I had forgotten about the samples.' I opened the case and found the oddest collection of little books, all in gay bindings. Some were religious, with names like Dew of Hermon and Cool Siloam. Some were innocent narratives, How Tommy Saved His Pennies, A Missionary Child in China, and Little Susie and Her Uncle. There was A Life of David Livingston, A Child's Book on Seashells, and a richly gilt edition of the poems of one James Montgomery. I offered this selection to Mr. Linkletter who grinned and chose the missionary child. "'It's not the reading I'm accustomed to,' he said. "'I like strong meat, Hall, Kane, and Jack London. By the way, how would you square this business of yours with the booksellers? When I was at Matheson's, there would have been trouble if we had dealt direct with the public like you.' The confounded fellow started to talk about the details of the book trade, of which I knew nothing. He wanted to know on what terms we sold juveniles— And what discount we gave the big wholesalers, and what